Hey everybody and welcome to the You Belong podcast. I'm your host Aaron Argo and I'm so glad that you joined us today because I want you to know that you belong here. No matter what your past or what you've been through, God brought you here for a reason and we believe that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now let's jump straight into the message and I pray that God both inspires and encourages you through this word today. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 through 39 says this. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, in other words, the, the time of giving to God, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done All these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Oh, come on. Somebody ready for an answer from God? Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God. See, and I'm going to stop there for just a minute. And this is not in my notes. But you realize the answer is not really for us. But it's to show the people who God is. God's answering of our prayers is not just so that we can be blessed, but it's so that we can be a witness to others and so that we can go around and say, hey, y'all see what God did for me? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in a weird mood today, so y'all just hang with me. That they may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Let's pray. Father God, let your fire fall again. Let your fire fall on the, on the altars again. Not a man-made fire. Not something that we conjure up. Not an emotional kick that makes us feel better. But God, we pray for the fire of God to fall and consume the offering that we have today. Fall on this church. Let us be a living sacrifice. Let us crawl on that altar and sacrifice ourselves to you. Let us be that sacrifice. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Now, this is, this is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Because where else do you see fire just fall down from heaven and consume a, 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 an altar and then over 400 prophets get, get killed? That's one of the coolest stories in the world to me. I, I've already preached on this probably twice since I've been here in the past year. But, but this is something new that God was show, sharing with me and something that he wanted me to share with you today. When things don't matter to us a whole lot, they sort of fall by the wayside, right? How many of you have got a project at the house that you have not finished? <laughs> and all the wives are looking at the husbands going, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we've got all those, prof- all those projects that, we, that fall by the wayside or maybe something that needs to be handled. That, and, and when we don't really, when things don't really matter to us that much, we don't manage the upkeep on them very well. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a flower guy. I'm not a plant guy. I've already told you my house is the place that plants come to die. 
because I touch them and it's just like automatically, or actually we, I drive onto the property and you can almost hear those plants go, oh no, it's the Argos. But, but the, so I don't, I don't water plants very well. I don't do that very well. I don't, I don't manage that kind of stuff because it's not that big to me. Amy loves flowers, but she doesn't have the time to do it a lot of times. So it falls by the wayside and the upkeep sort of gets thrown and they become insignificant to us. Those, those things that, that don't really matter to us, they become afterthoughts or meaningless to us. It usually happens to the unseen things in our lives. If we know the importance of something, we're going to take care of it, right? If we know the importance of something, we're going to take care of it. Growing up as a kid, uh, most of the time, we didn't really know how important certain things were and, because they didn't matter to us. As a child, as a kid, I didn't, I didn't know that it was that important to change oil. In a car. I mean, as a kid, I didn't care. You know why? I wasn't driving it. It didn't matter to me. I didn't have to pay for it. My kids, when they were younger, they didn't care about how much it cost to change the oil. They didn't care about doing it at a certain time until they got their own cars and they realized, hey, this costs money. And if I don't do it, things go wrong. I had a situation one time. I would get the oil change and everything and all that kind of stuff, but I let one little thing slip. And next thing you know, my engine seized up. And I was like, oh, no. But see, those things fall by the wayside. We, we don't understand as a kid that the pipes underneath the house are important. How many of you have a crawl space underneath your house? I hate crawl, crawl spaces. I absolutely hate them. You know why? Spiders live down there. And spiders, spiders are just, uh, listen, they, if they are not the devil's hand puppet, they, they're the ones that call the shots. Okay? I hate spiders. I, I, can, I can deal with a, a snake because uh, I can kill it pretty quick. But a spider, I never know when it's, when it's poisonous, when it's not, and all that, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I've seen horror stories about that. Pipes underneath the house, the oil that needs changing in the car, how important it is. And some of you dads can relate to this. How important it is that the kids get all the toys out of the lawn and out of the yard before you cut grass. Because you end up rolling over a tennis ball that shoots off and hits a window and breaks it. Or you, you run over a golf ball. Or, or, and I haven't done that. I'm just joking. But, or, or you, listen, I run over dog toys in the yard pieces of rubber that would and i've hit things that have torn the lawnmower up and broken things all those kind of things only when disaster strikes do they become important to us like a pipe bursting that causes damage underneath the house amy and i when we lived in clanton there was a situation we had at our house and uh one summer at the end of the summer i started smelling this weird smell it was, like, it was like rotten food, but it had just started coming in when summer was ending, and then it got cold, and then it went away. I was like, okay, well, I don't know what that was, but we'll figure it out, and we had a crawl space there. We don't have one now, but we had a crawl space, so uh, the next spring, it started getting hot, and next thing, uh, the first 80-degree day that we had, that smell returned, and I started smelling it, and I was like, man, what is that? 
And I went into the bathroom. I was smelling the, the bathroom. I was smelling. I, I was looking for our, for our sewer line and making sure it was snaked out, all that kind of stuff. And then and I couldn't figure it out. It got, got on a little bit hotter and a little bit hotter, and it kept getting worse and worse in the house. I finally said, i got to crawl underneath the house. I went over, and I, I opened up the crawl space, and this smell of I don't know what. <laughs> started wafting from that hole in the ground. And I crawled up underneath there and I looked and what had happened was that from our kitchen sink there was a, a pipe that came when, when the builders of the house or when they remodeled the house they didn't hang the pipe right. And, what it, and they did not seal two of the pipes together so it had broken loose. So for almost a year the water from my sink in the kitchen had been draining underneath my house and you know when you're washing dishes and all that food milk that goes bad you pour down the sink and all it had been curdling underneath my house i went down there and i went to move and i pushed and my hand sunk down about that far into gunk I took probably three three-gallon buckets full of sludge out from underneath my house that day. It, I can tell you right now, those pipes became very important to me. About every month I would go outside after I fixed that, I would go outside and look underneath it to make sure that it was still working. They became important. It wasn't insignificant anymore. Why? Because something happened that caused, it, caused me to... Calls me to look at it. We need to upkeep the stuff that doesn't really seem important at times, right? The same is through, true in our spiritual life. See, we're quick to upkeep our pipes. We're quick to upkeep our, our cars. We're quick to upkeep our, our, our house and make sure that it's clean, make sure that it doesn't have uh, bees in it or, 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 or all that kind of stuff. I had that situation too. All these kind of, we're quick to do upkeep, but our spiritual lives demand upkeep. Everybody say upkeep. Just like physical things in this world, when we neglect spiritual aspects of our lives, things start to fall into disrepair. If we neglect our study time with God and neglect our, our word with God, it starts to, starts to weigh on us. If we neglect our, our time of, of talking to God and spending time in prayer, it starts to weigh on us. Spending time with the people of God. Let me say that one again. Spending time with the people of God in God's house and also outside of God's house where we spend time together sharpening one another, encouraging one another. We need to spend that time together. Amen? The Bible says, the Bible says that uh, 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 as, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We need to sharpen one another and be around each other. We need to spend time talking to God because if we don't get familiar with His voice, we won't know when He talks to us. And we need to spend time reading the love letter that He wrote called the Bible. Because that word has the answer to every problem that we've got in there. You dealing, you struggling with, with issues in your life? There's an answer in the Word. Everybody say there's an answer. There's an answer in the Word. Uh, when, when we become lazy in these areas and we neglect the upkeep, we're inviting trouble into our lives. And I don't know about y'all. I got enough trouble. I don't want any more trouble. Amen? That's why there's a reason why the Bible says in, in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God. 
We're supposed to have the helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, our, our belt, the belt of truth, our feet shod with the readiness of the gospel, and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of the faith. We're supposed to have all of that stuff put on. I didn't miss any, did I? But we're supposed to have all that stuff put on. But if we don't do maintenance on our salvation, spend time with God going, okay, what have I got wrong in my life that I need to change? Spend, spend time on our breastplate of righteousness saying, where's the chinks in my armor? Where is it weak, God? Where do I need to strengthen it again? If we don't spend time stretching our faith, if we don't spend time with that sword of the Spirit and learning the truth and and shotting our feet ready to witness to somebody and tell somebody why we believe what we believe, then there's a problem. We have to do upkeep. Everybody say upkeep. We have to do maintenance on our armor. We have to, we have to get to the point in our lives where we do regular maintenance on our lives with Christ. It's not glamorous. It's not flashy. And sometimes it's not even fun. I can't tell you how many days I've... I've gone about my day or, or, or I've gotten busy and I realized, you know what? I hadn't spent some time with God today. And it's 1130 at night, 12 o'clock at night. And I go, I've got to spend some time with God. And it may be five minutes going, God, I'm sorry. I, I want to know your voice and I want and just spending time with him. So it, it, I, I, that's the reason why I pull out my Bible every single day. It may be on my app. It may be a physical Bible, but I read it every single day. And I spend time learning his voice and reading the truth and letting that truth come in. The Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By, by living according to your word. How can we live according to his word? I have hidden your, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You wonder why, how can you pull up all these verses? How can, listen, I may not be able to tell you exactly where they are every single time, but they are something that's ingrained in me because I've done maintenance on my life. And if we're not doing regular maintenance every single day, we're in trouble. We're in trouble if we don't do that maintenance. It's not glamorous. It's not flashy. One thing in particular that we, we have to keep, in or, keep up in order to, or keep in order in our lives is our own altar. If I say altar. Now, I'm not saying you've got to go home and create an altar at your house. And, and like have a cross here and have candles on the side and you have to kneel at it. And that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a spiritual altar in your heart. The, when, the, when the importance of the altar begins to fade, it's something, it says something about our personal lives. When we, and, and, and listen, I'm not saying this because of anything today or anything, but when we can't come and spend just a few moments during our time of worship, Saying, God, we need you. God, we need you to touch this community. I need you to touch my life. Or, or you know what? Sometimes we just need to come down and, and say, you know what, God? I'm putting myself on this altar today. Search me. Do something in me. Can I tell you something, church? When Revival will start when we decide to put ourselves on the altar. Because in order to have a revival, you've got to sacrifice. And there has to be a sacrifice given. There was a sacrifice for our sins years ago. We don't have to pay that price anymore. But there is a price to be, there is a price to be paid for the anointing. There is a price to be paid for the mantle of God. There is a price to be paid for revival. 
people say, well, I, I love revivals. I, I wanna, revival doesn't start in a building. It doesn't start in a, in a tent. It doesn't start on a sawdust floor. It doesn't start anywhere but right here. Right here in the altar of our heart. Where we decide we're going to spend some time at the altar. When the importance of the altar begins to fade, it says something about our personal lives. You could always tell when the people of God's, uh, uh, people of God's dedication was faltering in the word. Uh, we, we've got this story of Mount Carmel where Elijah was standing there. And, and what had happened was that uh, the king at the time was a wicked king. He was a horrible king. And, and Elijah decided, you know what? We need to decide who's going to be God and who's not. We need to decide who's, who's going to be the true God. And he said, so let's have a little contest. And he said, let's go up. I'll build an altar. You guys build an altar. There's 450 of you. There's one of me. And I'll take you on. And you pray to your gods, however many you want to pray to, and see if they'll, they'll consume your, your offering. And I'll pray to my God, the God, the everlasting God, and I will pray that he consume my, my sacrifice and we'll see who God's answer and let that God be God of Israel. He laid it out. Church, there comes a point where we've got to look at our lives and say, okay, God, consume my altar, but we're too busy praying to other gods at times. Oh, come on, church. I know this. I know I'm usually a happy-go-lucky, and I'm like, you're great. You created with purpose, for a purpose, and I believe all that. But listen, today there needs to be some maintenance done on our lives. There needs to be some maintenance on our altars. 1 Kings 18, 30 and 31, uh, then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. The reason why you know that Israel had strayed away from God was that their altar was in disrepair. They had a broken altar. They had an altar that was unusable. It was broken and they, they weren't able to, they had torn it down. Why? Because it was no longer important to them. They had lost their reverence for the altar of God. And it didn't get this way overnight. There was a long line of kings before King Ahab. See, every time I say that word Ahab, I can't think of that song. Y'all remember that one? Ahab, the Arab, king of the burning sand. I don't know, that's totally off my notes, and I have no idea why that went there. My ADD kicked in for a moment, so I'm sorry. Uh, I'm back. (laughs) Uh, But but there was a long line of kings before Ahab that the Bible says did evil in the sight of the Lord. They would get progressively worse as they went. There were six generations of of kings before Ahab. Six generations of kings where the Bible says, and, they, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord over and over and over. Can I tell you something? The altars in our lives will always tell what we are willing to sacrifice to. What your altar looks like in your heart, is it covered with dust? 
because you haven't kneeled down on it and asked God, okay, what's in me that needs to be healed? What's in me that needs to be changed? We're willing to sacrifice for so many things. We'll sacrifice so that, uh, we'll sacrifice so that we can go out to eat. We'll sacrifice so that we can watch this show. We'll sacrifice so that we can go watch this ball game. We'll sacrifice for so much things. But when it comes to the house of God, well, I'm tired today. I just don't feel like going. But it, that same tired, that headache that was there on Sunday, is still there on Monday, but you still get up and go to work. Am I stepping on toes yet? If I am, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> we are called to give ourselves daily to God. Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, die to himself daily. It's not, it, we can't survive on what happened this past Easter. We had a great move of God. We had 10 salvations that day. We had a great move of God last week. Four salvations that day. We had great, great move of God where God challenged us to step out and to go and tell. We had God challenge us to do great things. But we can't survive on what happened two weeks ago. We can't survive on what happened two days ago. We have to daily get in His Word. Daily spend time in, in, in prayer with Him. Daily spend time at the altar laying ourselves down and daily killing our flesh. Letting our flesh know who's boss. And it's not this, it's Him. Amen? If you with me, say, I am. Y'all getting anything out of this today? I'm almost done with my introduction. So. <laughs> Paul says it like this. Paul says it like, that, that verse right there, Paul says it, like, says it like this over in Galatians 5, 24. And those who belong to Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What we want does not matter. Well, doesn't God care? Yes, God cares about what you want. Yes, God cares about what you need. But His will is the ultimate will. His will is perfect. His will is, is, is what we need to pay attention to. If, we, if you're with me, say, I am. When, we, when our personal altar is not active or has fallen to, to pieces, it, it causes a lack or a shortage of what we need or what is needed for us to belong to Christ. When the altar goes unused, there's a lack. There's a shortage. There's a, there's a need there. Broken altars cause a lack of sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. The purpose of an altar in biblical times was very simple and very plain. It was a, it was a place where sacrifices were made and a bargain or an agreement was struck. Whenever God made a covenant or an agreement with his people, he would instruct them to build an altar and they would sacrifice there. 
They would build an altar and they would sacrifice there. Uh, All throughout the Bible, we see where God called for sacrifice and where the Israelites would build altars to give their sacrifice on. Genesis uh, 15, 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Exodus 17, 15. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. Again, that was an altar that was built. Second Chronicles thirty three sixteen. He also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace, uh, peace offerings, and of thanksgiving. And he commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. The altar is important to God. The altar should be just as important to us. Yet we 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 sort of skirt on by the altar a lot of times. We, t- we tend to go, well, I don't want to stay too late at church because we, I, I, don't, I don't want the Baptist to beat us to, to uh, uh, El Palacio or whatever it is that you're going to see, eat at. Okay, uh, Listen, there'll be enough food for everybody, I promise. They don't eat any more than we do. But the thing is, it, there's times where we need to linger where we need to just just wait on God because there are some times where God is trying to speak to us. See, it's at the altars where God changes lives. Now, do you have to be inside of a church in order to be at the altar of God? No, but it sure does help to have other people that are, that are following God helping you at the altar with that sacrifice that you're giving. Amen? If you're with me, say, I am. The altar was so important to God that he spent a long time describing what he wanted for an altar. He spent the first part of Exodus 27 and Exodus 38 describing how it was to be built. Everything had to be perfect. Everything had to be just right. It had to be measured a certain amount. It had to be overlaid with gold. And it had to be set in this area. And nobody could come and touch it except for this person. And all this other kind of thing. And he put all of these things out there. At this point in our text in 1 Kings 18. Oh, wait a minute. I skipped over something. I don't want to. I don't want to lose that. You know, I was right. At, at this point in our in our text in First Kings eighteen, Israel had to let had let the altar fall into disrepair. That's when you knew something was wrong. That's when you knew something was wrong with their relationship with God. They had let it fall into, uh, into disrepair. You go back six generations of kings, and, and, and it said that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But then you, when it got to Ahab, he was the worst. In 1 Kings 16.30, it said, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. How would you like that to be your daily verse? For God to call you out like that. He was so bad he, that God looked at him and said, All these guys are bad, but this dude right here, he messed up. He, he, he's jacked up in what he thinks. He's done some things wrong, 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 wrong. He is more evil than anybody else. Listen, Ahab was so bad that they had let those altars be torn down. They had let the altar of the Lord be torn down and broken down. We find out why and uh, why you can't repair something that is in constant use, right? You're not, you're not going to have to repair it a whole lot if you're using it on a daily basis. Why? Because you're, you're doing maintenance on it every single day. 
And if, if the people of Israel had been doing sacrifice or had been giving sacrifices on a regular basis, they wouldn't have had to, they wouldn't have had to repair the altar. But then we see where, where Elijah had to repair it. The altar was meant to remind people of what God had done in the past and of the promises he had for their future. That's what our altar is for, is to remind us Jesus Christ stretched out on the altar called the cross and allowed himself to be sacrificed for our sins. It reminds us of the price that he paid, but it also reminds us of the future that we hold because we don't have to be on that cross. It also reminds us of an empty grave that we celebrated two weeks ago because that means that one day our grave will be empty. We will no longer have to deal with that kind of thing. We don't have to deal with sickness. We won't have to deal with disease. We won't have to deal with anxiety. We won't have to deal with depression. And I lost my breath. And we won't have to deal with all of those things. But that altar had become insignificant to the people of God. And they had stopped visiting it and stopped taking care of it. Thus, without taking care of it, it can no longer have a sacrifice put on it to remind them of the promise that was coming. Namely, the Messiah. Y'all are awful quiet today. Is this making any sense? This is a heavy message, and I understand that. But are you getting something out of it? When the Bible says that the altar was broken... That tells me that the sacrifice was no longer important to them. Church, if your heart altar is broken, if it is unmanaged, and if it is in need of repair, when's the last time you sacrificed for Jesus? When's the last time you sacrificed for Him? When's the last time you spent more than a couple of minutes at, the, at an altar Seeking God's will for your life and the will for your heart. Seeking God's salvation for those that are hurting and those that are broken. When's the last time that we spent time? When we allow our altar to become insignificant in our lives, our desire to sacrifice for God becomes non-existent. Our focus gets off of what God intended for our lives and the freedom that He has provided, and it becomes all about us. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. But too often, we're not willing to sacrifice what we want for what God wants. We're not willing to sacrifice a Wednesday night spending time in prayer and, and study because we're tired from the day. We're not willing to sacrifice a few moments to speak to somebody in Walmart because it'll embarrass us if they, if they turn their back on us and they tell us, no, I don't want to hear it. I know it's a hard message, but y'all hang with me. Hang with me. We need to learn to sacrifice again, church. We need to learn to sacrifice who we are. When we stop visiting the altar of God, we stop sacrificing ourselves for Him. What we want becomes more important than what God wants. God is calling us back to a place where we need to humble ourselves as a church and as a people. To spend time on our knees crying out for those that are lost. 
to spend time on our knees crying out for our lost loved ones who, who, who are, have turned their back on God, to cry out to God for those that are sick in their body and are hurting and they don't know what to do, to cry out for them. We need to, we need to call back and we need to get back to the altar. God is calling us back to a place where we can humble ourselves. Are you willing to crawl back on the altar of God and say, God, kill my flesh today? What I want no longer matters. What I want no longer matters, God. Broken altars cause a lack of sacrifice, but it also causes a lack of worship. When we cease to sacrifice ourselves on God's altar, our worship begins to disappear. When we are not reminded of His grace at the altar, our appreciation turns to expectation. And then it turns into entitlement. That's a hard word. Let me illustrate it this way. There's a story that a pastor friend of mine told, and I know I need to hurry this along, but uh, there's a pastor friend of mine that told me a story. He said, when I first started at my church, everything was great. And they didn't pay me a whole lot of money, and it, I drove a good bit, and it was hard to, hard to come up with the gas money. And he said, I had a little old lady in my church that came up to me. She said, Pastor, I know pastors don't make a whole lot of money, so I want to pay for your gas on Sunday. And she handed him a $10 bill. I think it was a $10 bill. That was back before gas was so high. <laughs> you can tell this was a few years ago. But she handed him a $10 bill. And that, was, that would allow him to get to church and back. She handed him that $10 bill. And she would do that every single week that he was at the, at the church. And she kept giving him that $10 bill. And he was so appreciative. He was like, sister, you don't need to do that. I know you're on a fixed end. You don't need, but it's what I need to do. She, she said, I'm giving it to you. So he was very appreciative of it. And then it got to the point... You're, even years later, she was still doing this. It had gotten to the point where he didn't need the money, but she was still doing it, and she would not take no for an answer. So instead of telling her, oh, you don't need to do that anymore, he just started walking in, and when he would see her coming, he wouldn't think about it. He would just go, oh, hey, sister, oh, thank you. I pray. And he would have his hand reached out before she ever had the money out. So he came to expect it. And then one day, without him knowing it, all of a sudden she just stopped. She, he didn't know why or anything. And, and a few weeks went by, and he said that he was, he was walking down the hall after a service, and she walked past him. And he said, this thought went through my head. Where's my $10? When we're not reminded of the grace, we start to expect that grace without the price that was paid. And then we start to believe, I'm owed this. This is the way his mind was working on that $10 bill. Church, we need to spend time here so that we understand why we can go there. We need to be reminded this altar and that cross was meant for us. It wasn't meant for him. The price that he paid was our debt that we owed. 
He paid what we owed, and he made sure that we wouldn't have to deal with it. And then all of a sudden, when, when we don't do that, when, we don't, when we, we don't have that grace reminded us, our worship begins to, begins to go away, and we don't tell God, hey, I love you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for the freedom that you give me. And we start to expect it and try to walk in it. And next thing you know, we're saying, well, God will forgive me. And we start walking in places we don't need to be. And then we get entitled with the presence of God and say, God, it doesn't matter what I used to do in my life. It doesn't matter what I'm doing in my life now. You said that you're still going to take care of me. Why am I struggling financially? Why am I struggling? And when we haven't lifted our hands to praise him one time. Oh, come on. Are you with me? This is a hard teaching, but I know, I know this church can handle it. And I know I'm probably preaching to the choir, but you know what? I pray that God pricks some of our hearts and he shows us the depth of our worship. That we need to understand, we need to sacrifice and we need to worship. We, need to, we don't need to let our worship disappear. When we cease to sacrifice ourselves on the altar of worship, it begins to disappear. When we are not reminded of His grace, that expectation turns into, or that appreciation turns into expectation, and then our expectation turns into entitlement. The altar is where our worship begins. That's why I call us down to the altar on, on Sunday mornings is because I want us to finish our worship at the altar as well. Because again, we need to be reminded, we just spent time asking God, touch the Ukraine, touch the touch Ukraine and touch the children there, touch the, the government there. We just spent time asking Him for healings. We spent time asking Him to touch the lost and the dying. And then we can't spend a few more moments down here just saying, God, take it all. We thank you for what you're going to do. We can thank him in advance for what he's going to do in our lives. We can thank him in advance for the altars being full of the lost and the dying. We can thank him in advance for filling this room with the drug addicts, the, the homosexuals, and the lesbians. We can ask him, we can thank him for changing lives before it happens. Why? Because his promises are true. And when we ask anything in his name, it shall be done. I'm getting excited. <laughs> but we need to visit our altar in our heart as well. This altar is important, but if we if we wait till Sunday to go to an altar, there's so much we're leaving undone. Because we refuse to ask God, what can I change? What needs to be broken in me? The psalmist writes in Psalm 43, 4. There I will go to the altar of God to go. The source of my joy. The altar is a place of joy, church. I will praise you with my harp, O oh God, my God. Our praise and worship is sacrificed sometimes. In Jonah 2, 2 9. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill my vows. I don't feel like worshiping some days. I don't feel like standing behind this pulpit some days. I don't feel like doing a lot of stuff some days. But I do it. Why? Because it's a sacrifice to him. Listen, I'm 46 years old. And everybody's going, dude, 
what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm 46 years old. I can't keep up with teenagers. I'm going to get out there this afternoon, and I'm going to play volleyball as long as, as long as the weather's good. I'm going to play volleyball, and I'm going to wear myself out, and tomorrow morning, I'm not going to be able to move. Why do I do it? Because it's a sacrifice to God. It's not just for those teenagers. It's so that they know that I love them and I appreciate them and I care about them. But I do it because I want God to know, hey, I'm willing to do anything as long as it will bring somebody to you. Hebrews 13, 5, 13 15, Therefore, let us, go, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. When we cease to sacrifice, we cease to worship. The result of sacrifice and being reminded of who we belong to and the price will always prompt worship. Notice at the end of Elijah, I know I haven't spoken a whole lot about Elijah today but in our text, but at the end of Elijah's time with the, with the people when the, uh, when the offering was consumed, in 1 Kings 18, 38 and 39, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust and the licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. Notice, they fell on their faces. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. When the fire falls on the altar, it prompts our worship to Him. It prompts us to say, God, You are God, no matter what this world says, no matter what my doctor says, no matter what this world tries to tell me is more important, you are my God, you are the one that is worthy of worship, and that altar prompts us to give it to him. If you're with me, say I am. Woo, come on, give God praise. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we pray that you were blessed by the ministry of this podcast. Now, if you have any questions or comments, you can contact me personally at Pastor. Aaron Argo at iCloud.com and make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll know when we put out a new podcast and you can join us again. And as always, please remember, you belong here.